When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. Hi, and welcome to episode 304 of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. I'm your host, Julie Duffy Dillon, and I am so glad you're here. I hope to partner with you on your food peace journey. And something that I appreciate about the podcast is most of the time we talk about body and dieting as it relates to the number on the scale and that body image concerns are just focusing on that. Something that I am so grateful for are are the guests that help me understand different ways that our body image is affected by our culture, how diet culture is not just about body size. And I think about someone we had on recently, Deb Benfield. She talked about the aging experience and body liberation. And today is a show that is going to include a letter from someone who is talking about their experiences with colorism as it relates to their body. And this person actually wrote a letter to their body. So you're going to hear from Fatima Devanji Shakir. She is an eating disorder clinician, writer, and speaker, and specializes in working with Black, Indigenous, and people of color clients, especially those of South Asian and Muslim background backgrounds, rather. And Fatima is a therapist in private practice at Conison Psychological Services and a board member of the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, the New York chapter. I tell you all this because it is so important, as you'll hear in our conversation for folks with different lived experiences to have a voice within 
eating disorder associations like IADEP. That's what International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, <laughs> that's how we say it in the um, in the circles of people who are eating disorder clinicians. But, you know, part of how you and um, the listener and me, how we think about body image may be different. And so I'm so grateful for Fatima to join us and again, read a letter to her body. So I'm really excited for you to hear her letter. But before we get to that, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast is brought to you by Your Second Opinion, a doctor visit toolkit that the PCOS Power team and I are so excited to finally let you know about. We have been working on this toolkit for a very long time, and we want to give you insight into what it includes. So imagine going to your PCOS doctor and having everything ready beforehand included some guided imagery to listen to as you're getting ready for your appointment to help your nervous system feel a little bit more calm. And then you walk into the appointment with a list of all the questions ready and a list of labs that you want drawn and some helpful pointers to help you to advocate for yourself as you're navigating this fat phobic (laughs) place that is PCOS Healthcare. And then after the appointment, having a way to listen to some guided imagery to help your nervous system again, get back online, and then a way to call a friend, someone who can help you sift through everything that came up. That's what's included in the doctor toolkit called Your Second Opinion. And again, the PCOS Power team and I are really excited to bring this to you. We've been wanting to put something together just to help you navigate navigate the neglectful PCOS healthcare system. We're trying to change it, but until then, we want to give you all the help we can. So get to all the details at julieduffydillon.com slash toolkit. Again, it's julieduffydillon.com slash toolkit, and it will be available to purchase until next Tuesday, December 6th. Again, go to julieduffydillon.com slash toolkit. Dear body, I'm writing to say I'm sorry and to say thank you. I'm sorry for all the ways I treated you when I was trying to fit in with the world around me. I remember thinning out my hair with a razor during a haircut and threading my eyebrows really thinly as a teen because having thick hair wasn't the in thing. I betrayed you, our culture, and our genetics to look like my non-DC friends. I remember doing whatever I could to lighten the appearance of your skin. Our skin. I shaved my arms long before anyone should ever consider shaving because I thought if I removed the black hair, you'd look lighter. Mom was really angry about this, but I rebelled anyway. Colorism had a huge hold on me. I used lemon sugar scrubs to try to lighten your pigmentation because I was told that having darker skin was undesirable. Even when I had opportunities to play outside or swim, I declined so you wouldn't get darker. In that, I sacrificed our joy and opportunity for connection. We were pretty lonely back then. There was a time where I barely ate all the wonderful flavors and spices our ancestors bestowed upon us 
because I fell trapped to the colonial ideas that cultural foods are bad and that every calorie has to be accounted for. And I couldn't count calories for things that, that didn't exist in my fitness pal or that I didn't know the English names for. I sacrificed your internal wisdom and the connection I could have had with you and others to maintain thinness. God, you know how well you taste so good and I hope to never part ways with you again. Body, I saw you as a tool for marriage and freedom. I grew up being told that I could follow my own rules once I was married and everyone was so focused on girls needing to get married in our culture. I didn't know if I really wanted marriage for a long time, but when I realized it was the road to freedom, love and marriage was all I could think about. And because appearance is a huge part of marriage eligibility in our culture, having light skin and a thin body became even more of an endeavor. I even learned to cook tasty food because I internalized the message that I had to be able to cook well for a partner and their family. I didn't even think about what you would like. I only fed you things that were considered healthy, which usually meant bland in our case. I'm sorry I prioritized non-existent others over you. Body, thank you for sticking by my side through it all. I know we're not at the end of the road, but I'm glad that I now allow you and us to exist as we are. And I love that we have more opportunities to deeply connect with each other now that we're no longer at war. With love, Fatima. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Fatima. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Julie. How are you? I'm doing great. I am so glad to be chatting with you again. I know we we spoke 
a few months ago and just chatted and got to know each other. And I'm so glad that you have um, agreed to write a letter to your body first and foremost. Thank you. That's like such a gift for the listener to to hear your experiences. And what was it like for you to write this letter? Well, first of all, I want to thank you because you encouraging me to come on your show in this way, I think really forced me to pause and reflect on what my relationship with my body looks like. Um, As an eating disorder and body image therapist, I'm often talking about these things all the time with clients and with other providers, but not necessarily talking about my own experience in my body. And so I think it offered a really unique opportunity to pause and reflect on what's changed and and what hasn't changed. And truthfully, it made me cry. Like even when I was reading it just now, I could feel like the tears welling up behind my eyes because it can be such an emotional relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that, that it was making you kind of connect with something and the the emotional relationship was there any kind of like feeling that you're connecting to or any other kind of message that was kind of promoting the tears I think for me it was a lot of gratitude for mm-hmm. seeing how my relationship with my body has changed over the years and as I was reading this letter out loud right all these memories are flashing back of a lot of the things that I talked about in the letter really like remembering mm-hmm. like saying no to going swimming with certain friends or, you know, not playing outside with siblings because I was scared to, Mm. that my skin would get darker and that I would be unattractive because of that. And there was a, a, some sadness of like, wow, those were really missed opportunities. And at the same time, I was thinking about the fact that now at my current age, like I do all the things outside that I want to do. And I, I don't even think about like, is my skin going to get darker because of it? And just Mm -hmm. gratitude for having been able to like make that progress over the years. Yeah. Um, would you be willing to like share, like, what do you think helped that evolution of like going from, um, having kind of these rules about, I want to be able to, um, stay lighter. I want to be able to, um, I don't, I don't know if you use the word fit in in there, but maybe that was like the phrases that I was thinking of, um, when I was reading it. Um, yeah. How did that evolution happen? You know, how did you get to a point where now you're like, I like being outside, I'm going to go outside and, and having this relationship with your body that's more aligned maybe with what you were wanting. Mm-hmm. I think what really helped me was learning to adopt a sense of detachment from what the body means. And so I feel like we live in a society where there's a lot of meaning attached to our body size, body shape, weight, all these things. And, you know, when I was younger, like later in my teenage years, early twenties, I did a lot of work around untangling that, right. And separating what my body is from the experiences my body allows me to have. And so once mm-hmm. I started seeing it as seeing my body as a vessel for being able to do things that brought me joy, I think I became less focused on what does it exactly look like and mm-hmm. more focused on like, what is it like, like to do? 
Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things I really like to do is being outside, taking a walk. I love just sitting in the sun. Like even if I'm sitting inside, I sometimes I feel like a cat where I want to go to like the exact spot where the sunlight <laughs> is like pouring in and just uh-huh. sit there and let it like shine on me. And so I, I let myself do that now. And it's so liberating. Mm, yeah. What does it bring you when you sit in that like warm, cozy spot? And by the way, I'm the same way. <laughs> like I love <laughs> finding, especially when it's cold out and like finding that sun. And, you know, I live in the Southeast. So even in the winter, it's like blue sky and, and sunny. But if you're inside and you're like the sun's hitting just right, usually my cat's there and mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's like, so good. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what does it do for you when you're, when you do that? I think it brings me energy. So one of the things mm. I always like jokingly tell people is that I feel like I'm a plant in a lot of ways where <laughs> I need sunlight and I need water to thrive. And if one of those is like out of balance, then I don't mm-hmm. feel like my best self. And so I feel like when I sit in the sun, one, I feel really like warm and I feel like held by the world. Mm. And in that, it gives me so much energy that I then want to like pour back out into other people and into the world. Mm. That is like the opposite of what you, as a child, when you were describing your relationship with your body, it seemed like the opposite. Like, you know, saying you said, I feel warm and held by the world. It did seem like this disconnect and, Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned like the, wanting to start to untangle this relationship in your teen years. Was there anything that like you can recall that kind of like was a moment or like something that helps you just like look in the other direction? I'm kind of like being metaphorical, but like I think about mm-hmm. folks who are entrenched in diet culture or anything that is disconnecting them from their body. Um, Sometimes I'm like, if it, if you could just turn your head a little bit and look over there and see that there's another option, many other options. I'm curious, like, yeah, what, what made you like turn your head just a little bit and like, oh, wait, I could do something different here. Does that make so sense? It does. And for <laughs> okay. me, it actually happened. I, so I was traveling with friends and um, the friend that I was rooming with on this trip identifies as white. And mm-hmm. so we, you know, we were spending a lot of time on the beach and in the sun and, and doing all these outdoor activities. And I kept mentioning like, oh, I need to like wear sunscreen if we're going to be outside, like I'm going to get dark, like this is going to happen, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. And she, she couldn't relate. She mm-hmm. didn't know how to respond to me. And I think I was making her quite frankly, really uncomfortable mm-hmm. in that experience. And it struck me that she wasn't saying those same things back. That wasn't being reflected back to me of like, oh yeah, like I also need to wear sunscreen because I'm going to get darker or this Mm -hmm. is going to happen or that's going to happen. And I was like, wait, people don't worry about this. Hmm. What must that be like? What must it be like to just go to the beach and just be at the beach and not have Mm -hmm. this thought running through my mind of like, how tan am I about to to get? Yes. And I think for me, that was the door of like, okay, I really need to explore this more because maybe it's not, maybe it's normalized for me, but maybe it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like this person um, 
with white privilege was like, had all this extra space in their brain to think about things and do as they please. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's not fair. You need to have that space too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that makes sense. Oh my gosh. What, like, what a, like, I'm so glad that happened. And it, it it sounds like from there, you just started to untangle it and decide what you want to do next. (laughs) Voila. Yeah. And I know that you help folks um, to recover from eating disorders and their relationship with food as a therapist. Um, and I know the word advice is not always like the right word for like counseling and therapy, but, um, that's the word I'm going to use because I can't think of a better one, but what advice would you give someone in a middle, in the middle of like a war with their body in a similar way that you were like, what advice would you give them? It's a really good question. It's one, it's really hard to disentangle. Um, Mm -hmm. and two, I think what I would encourage people to think about is think about what are the things that you want to be able to do in your life, right? What brings you joy? What are your aspirations? And then consider, is it possible that you could have those things in the body that you currently have? And I would say it can be really helpful to find role models and that and people that you respect that are out living their lives mm-hmm doing the things that they love in the bodies that they currently have, because I would place my bets on the fact, uh, on the idea that you have perhaps internalized these beliefs that your body has to be a certain way, has to look a certain way, because you've seen other people do that too. And when Mm -hmm. you can really start to bring in other perspectives, other images of what living a life in various types of bodies can look like, it becomes easier and easier to separate that idea that your body has to be something. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I'm trying to picture what it would be like for you as a younger person seeing yourself now doing this. Like, I mean, I just, I wonder how that could have expedited things for you, you know, to see someone living their life and going to the beach and maybe applying sunscreen for like cancer prevention, but not for the reasons (laughs) that you're describing, but like, you know, um, but wanting to, yeah, just experience life on your terms. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think about that. And I, and also Mm -hmm. your role as a therapist, like bringing that into the room with folks, um, how that just you being in the room, Um, as people are exploring their body image, how important that is. I think about that too. And so what I try to do is, you know, I hope in the future to have a child, maybe more Mm -hmm. than one child. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I try to document a lot of these experiences um, because I want them, you know, one day if they're looking through like our digital photo albums and things like that to see like, wait, like my parent was able to have these experiences and had Mm -hmm. all this fun and and went to the beach, went swimming, went hiking, did all these really cool things. And for them to be able to envision that too, without the color of their skin really being a part of Mm -hmm. that conversation. And I feel like if one, if I'm not doing those things, they're not going to have that example. And two, if I do them, but I don't document them because you know, I'm concerned about how I might look or the color of my skin. It's also sending them a message that I don't want to send. So I try Mm -hmm. to, to, 
to take pictures and to document these things so that it's there for for future generations. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because I I would love for colorism to not exist like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a pretty big system that we're all working to dismantle, but like um with this future person or people that you're talking about, like having that example, even though they'll still need to explore that system Mm -hmm. of oppression, just like seeing someone living her life and doing Mm -hmm. what you want to do and um, being in your body the way that feels good to you. Like, yeah, having that example that is so powerful. Um, What, what do you think needs to change within like, I don't know, I talk a lot about like non-diet stuff and intuitive eating, eating disorder recovery. Like, I, cause I, I imagine like there are folks whose eating disorder experiences and like their kind of pathology, I guess to be clinical, um, comes from colorism and all the other systems of oppression that people experience. Um, what do you think needs to change within these like eating disorder recovery conversations to be more inclusive for folks? I think one of the biggest changes that we need to see and that I think is, is starting to change is the idea that body image exists beyond weight, shape, and size. Mm, um, yeah. Even within like the DSM-5 criteria, we see weight, shape, and size as the definition of body image and appearance struggles. And if someone is Mm -hmm. struggling with parts of their appearance that are outside of that, we consider it body dysmorphia. And so I think that really starts to categorize things in ways that are not actually how it's happening for people, right? So Mm -hmm. for example, if someone is struggling with skin color, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe they're trying to change it in ways that that I also try to change, but maybe mm-hmm. they're not seeing those changes. They might start to look for other ways to control their body that manifests in disordered eating behaviors like dieting. Um, but that doesn't mean that things like colorism are, are not part of their body image and the things mm-hmm. that they're struggling with. And so I think we really need to broaden this idea of like what, what does body image mean and how do people Mm. on an individual level struggle with it? And how does it intersect with those eating disorder or disordered eating behaviors? Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine a DSM that actually included just a a broader definition of body image to Mm -hmm. help like with diagnostic criteria, which, I mean, I guess we can talk about like the point of diagnostic criteria, like some people are like, meh, who cares? <laughs> but it also, it means a lot for like insurance and research. Well, and it also shapes the way that a lot of clinicians yeah. perceive things, right? Yeah, and so when the criteria themselves are really narrow, especially as as, as people are training and, and younger clinicians, mm-hmm. that's what's really shaping their viewpoint of what an eating disorder and body images right. can look like. Yeah. Yeah. So people who are making the decisions in the DSM, and if you're a listener and you're like, what the hell is a DSM? <laughs> <laughs> Diagnostic <laughs> and statistical manual? Is that what that stands for? Um, it is. From my, is it the American um, 
psychological Psychological association. Yeah. Yeah. So like they basically have like, it's a really thick book that has all the diagnoses for anything in mental health, right? Is that? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm like, it's been a long time since I've had to define it. (laughs) But um, yeah, so that it, who actually writes those things too is like, we need to include different people actually like writing them and deciding those, the, how um, diagnostic criteria is even decided. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some big things need to change. And awesome. I'm so glad that you're a part of this conversation and you wrote this letter to your body because I know there's a listener more than one who are going to relate to it. And um, you know, the, what we were talking about earlier, just like seeing someone else do what you're hoping to do for your like future children, like that's what it it'll do for someone listening. So thank you. Before we close, is there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Julie. I think another piece that I really want to highlight is how in South Asian culture, a lot of times appearance is connected to marriage eligibility. Um, this is something that I very much internalized and I've seen happen time and time again in my personal life, in my professional life. And it's really hard to disentangle that um, because if you identify as South Asian, um, you may experience the idea of collectivism, right? Where we're mm-hmm. taught from a really young age that um, our bodies and ourselves are not just for us, but really for other people. Um, and that's really hard because from a young age, then you're taught that how you look, how you act, everything is a reflection of your family and is then going to impact your ability to have a partner um, and how and whether their family is going to be accepting of you and, and willing to have you join their family. And that is that's a lot to take on from that from is a lot, <laughs> especially like I'm picturing someone at like five or six before like body image has like really kind of become something that a person can, I don't know, I don't know if a seven-year-old's defining body image, but I just feel like there's like some moments of like, oh yeah, I'm separate from the rest of the world. But like learning this as part of the foundation, um, mm-hmm. that is a lot to hold on to in that mm-hmm. little brain. Yeah. It is. It really and yeah, is. yeah. The way you described too, I, I forgot about this, the way you described learning how to cook, kind of it kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of like what you're talking about right now. And how that was really wasn't because you wanted to learn how to cook, but it was just like, that'll just make it so then um, I can show that I can like take care of a family. I don't know if that's like the right phrase, but like, you know, I can cook and take care of things. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's really interesting to reflect on this because even to this day, like whenever I'm thinking about like, okay, what should I cook for for dinner Mm -hmm. today? Um, I'm often thinking about like, well, what is the other person or the other people who are going to be at this meal going to enjoy and want to eat? It's really hard to tap into like, what am I craving? Mm. What would I want to eat for dinner? What do I feel like cooking? What do I have the time and the energy to -hmm. do? Because I've internalized this idea that my priority should be what the other person person or people want Mm -hmm. and what their needs are. And so when you kind of pull back and think about this from the lens of like your relationship with food and body, it can be really hard 
especially if you're struggling with disordered eating, to tap into things like hunger cues, right? And and cravings. Um, mm-hmm. Because you might not have been taught that it's okay to have those or to honor those. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm wondering, like thinking about collective, collectivism and what you said about like your body is really for other people. And then the food part of like not really having this foundation of like, oh, wait, what do I want? What am I craving? Mm-hmm. What does healing look like then? You know, in what what would it look like for someone who had that as their their foundation? And I yeah. think about like relationship with food and body, you know, does it change or does it include everything like your body's for others and for yourself? Or I don't know if I'm going down the wrong path, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think healing can look different depending Mm -hmm. on the person, right? And what you feel like aligns with your values. And so Mm -hmm. I know for me, I I toggle between both individualism and collectivism because I Mm -hmm. I see the value in both. Yeah. And so I try to find this middle ground of, okay, there needs to be time and space for me. And Mm -hmm. I want to make time and space for other people and their needs too. And so something that like I have worked on and really I'm still working on is carving out time for me to be like completely by myself where there's no one else around and I'm not sharing what I'm doing with other people so that I can Mm -hmm. really tap into what feels good for me now. And when I first Mm -hmm. started doing that exercise, it was incredibly difficult. I felt so uncomfortable with like just having to think about myself. But I think the more and more that I've done that, the more I've gotten better at it and have gotten better at being able to think about myself and other people at the same time, rather than kind of viewing them as this, as these like compartmentalizations in my life. Yeah. It sounds like it's not an either or. There is a way to have both, which... Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And and sometimes um, it, it hits me and I'm like, See, it's like not black and white. It's not rigid. Like individualism and collectivism can be together. And mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. Um, that's, that's, um, I can feel my brain and like the little like folds in it going, like moving around, <laughs> including this like new knowledge. So thank you. I have learned so much from our time today. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and writing this letter. And um, before we head head out, is there a way for a person to connect with you if they want to find out more about you? Sure. So uh, the best way to find out more about me is through Instagram. Um, My Instagram handle is at your South Asian therapist. Um, I'm also on TikTok with that same handle. Um, And then I also have a website, which is fjshocker.wordpress.com. Awesome. Thank you so much and um, have a great day. You too. Thanks, Julie. So there you have it. Listener, I hope you got a lot out of and learned so much or feel more at home in your body today from Fatima Javanji Shakir's letter. I know I learned a lot and I so appreciate anyone who writes in and writes a letter to food or body or to anything else. I appreciate it. It's a it's a really big ask and it's a heavy lift and I really am grateful and I know every listener is as well. And if you're listening and we haven't quite hit it exactly, 
what you need to explore your complicated relationship with your food or your body, we would love to have your letter. We would love to have a chance to read it on an episode. And you can send it over at info at juliedillonrd.com. If you enjoyed this episode, one of the best things you can do is subscribe or share an episode. You know, click those little three dots at the bottom of the podcast that you're listening to on Apple Podcasts right now. And you can copy that link and send it in a text or an email to share it with someone. Doing those things seems to really help more people find the show. Also, um, giving a rating or review, that's another way you can also really help the show. So we appreciate that in advance. And remember, your second opinion, our doctor digital doctor toolkit is going to be available just for a few more days. And you can get to all the details at julieduffydillon.com slash toolkit. All right. So I see that Fatima's body has written back. So we're going to get to that. But until next time, take care. Dear Fatima, I see your apology, and I hope you know you don't need to apologize. I observed you struggling with colorism and collectivism, navigating it the best you could as a child. I am grateful you considered new ways to connect from that one conversation on that beach trip. I have always been on your side and admire how you have held on to dichotomies and reshaped how we connect. Just know existing, connecting, and feeling the warmth and playing allows many others to do the same. Love your body. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Brebner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.